You're listening to a Fit Plus Love production. The world's coming together to fight this. We've never come together as, as one species on the planet. It's unprecedented. There's unprecedented shocking news and unprecedented collaboration at the scientific level, companies, leaders, governments. So that is really heartwarming. And this will be behind us one day, uh, probably two years from now. You know, it'll be a, a memory. And we're going to make it through. It's not the end of the world, that's for sure. And the 21st century and the, the, the roaring 20s are ahead of us. That was David Sinclair. This is Marnie Salop. Thanks for tuning into my podcast, Marnie on the Move. Each week, I will be inviting interesting, innovative movers and shakers to join me on the show and share their story. You will discover and hear from thought leaders, experts, influencers, and entrepreneurs from the worlds of wellness, sports, beauty, fitness, fashion, and more. Marnie on the Move will feature an eclectic mix of people I know, work with, and think are generally doing cool things. On each episode, I sync up with my guests about life, career, and training, and showcase their expertise and story. Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to the Marnie on the Move podcast. I'm your host, Marnie Salop. On today's episode, I sync up with globally renowned biologist and leading world authority on genetics and longevity, David Sinclair. If you haven't already read his incredibly eye-opening New York Times bestselling book, Lifespan, now would be a great time to check it out. His revolutionary theory and ideas on aging and why we don't have to which he presents in his Information Theory of Aging and writes about in the book, is based upon his research and studies over the past 25 years. David is also a professor of genetics at Harvard Medical School and co-founding director of the Paul F. Glenn Center for the Biological Mechanisms of Aging. David talks all about his book, Genetics and Aging, in a conversation we had back on October 14th, 2019 on the Marnie on the Move podcast. It was an incredible episode and I highly recommend listening. On today's episode, I sync back up with David to talk about all things COVID-19. As a biologist, researcher, and entrepreneur, David has shifted his focus and expertise over the past several weeks and is deep in the trenches of analyzing data and studies where he is reporting on COVID-19. He is helping doctors, medical teams, and companies on the front lines, in addition to offering information for consumers on his Instagram feed and stories, as well as his newsletter. I reached back out to David to bring you his expertise and insight on COVID-19 and his latest health and science-related findings. On today's episode, we talk about sirtuins, resveratrol, NADs, NMN, and how they relate to COVID-19. He shares how scientists have been predicting this pandemic for ages, which he writes about in his book. We also discuss the trajectory of symptoms for COVID-19 versus the common cold and allergies. We talk about the long-term repercussions for people who have had a mild or moderate case of COVID-19 and how they can rebuild their pulmonary cardiovascular, and immune systems. David shares info on whether or not you can build an immunity to the virus, the possible new mutations and strains that might be coming down the pipeline. David and I sync up about the importance of boosting your immune system, exercising, and getting a good amount of sleep now while you're healthy. We talk about the future of COVID-19, 
drugs that are currently being used to treat the virus, a possible vaccine in the future, and his take on using blood plasma antibodies as a solution. He is the co-founder of several biotechnology companies and is on the board of many others. He is the co-founder and editor-in-chief of the journal Aging. He is an inventor on 35 patents and has received more than 25 awards and honors, including being one of Time Magazine's top 100 most influential people in the world and top 50 people in healthcare. Follow David Sinclair on Instagram and subscribe to his newsletter. Personally, I have found him to be a tremendous resource about everything COVID-19 and healthy aging in general. Stay safe, stay healthy. Please feel free to DM or email me, marnieonthemove1 at gmail.com if you have any questions. And of course, if you like what you hear, leave a review on Apple. It's easy. Scroll through the list of podcasts, click on the five stars, click on write a review and tell me what you love. And if there's anybody you want to hear from, also DM, email, hit me up. Now, onto the conversation. And of course, before we get started, a word about my favorite partners, Mad Ritual CBD. Today's episode is fueled by Mad Ritual CBD. Mad Ritual CBD has changed my recovery game in a really big way. Get ready to recover like a rebel with these awesome, high-quality, CBD-infused products. Their CBD balm is off-the-charts amazing. And I'm not the only one that thinks so. Mad Ritual has 100-plus five-star reviews. The balms have five simple organic ingredients, coconut oil, shea butter, olive oil, plant wax, CBD, and different blends of essential oils. Personally, I prefer the eucalyptus and peppermint. They also offer a terrific CBD-infused total recovery supplement. Not just for athletes, the products are formulated to ease all of the aches and pains that come along with being an active human. So, if you are sore from life, Mad Ritual gets it. Founded by women athletes and active entrepreneurs, they are committed to helping active folks bring more balance to their lives. Mad Ritual is offering Marnie on the Move listeners 15% off. Head over to their website, madritual.com, and use the code Marnie on the Move. Now, on to the episode. Thank you so much for being on the podcast again. I've been following all of your Instagram updates. I subscribe to your newsletter, and I've been listening to all your podcasts over the past few weeks. As somebody who follows what you're doing, thank you for switching gears and really jumping on board. I was hoping that you would. In the past few weeks, you have completely shifted your focus and have devoted all of your energy and work towards helping both on the front lines with COVID-19 and explaining to the public what's going on via social media and newsletters. How have you shifted gears and what are you doing in the world of science now and what are you seeing? Uh, well, so I'm, I'm good at reading scientific papers that come out. I'm good at collecting a lot of information. I've, I know hundreds of doctors and scientists around the world that I can call. Um, so I'm using my skills to do the best uh, I can to be able to educate and provide truth in this time of where there's a lot of misinformation and a lot of pundits. And you know, so that's my main role. I have a few other roles. Uh, I have my lab still running on slow burn. Uh, I've got a company that's making viral kits that I started, viral detection kits that I started seven years ago, uh, which came out of my lab. I'm also helping distribute 
equipment and test kits around the world. I'm writing a, a newsletter, which is very difficult because by the time I write it, uh, I have to update it. Yeah. Um, but that's going out soon, too. Uh, but other than that, I'm trying to be a good father and spend more time with my kids, too. Are you all getting along and coexisting in the same space 24-7? Yeah, surprisingly. I, just a few months ago, I had three teenagers who were, you know, typical teenagers. They didn't want to hang out. They were pretty selfish, um, somewhat depressed about life. And this has changed things. You know, they still have their ups and downs, but this has been by far the best thing that we've done as a family. I know it sounds bad because it's a time of tragedy as well, but we're using this as a time to to get to know each other better and to hang out and play games and learn new things together. My son and I work out uh, every other day, that kind of thing. You know, I've seen that you, I've seen you posting on Instagram that you've been doing exercise and working out with your son. I mean, I think that in these kinds of moments, we have to try to find something positive that we can hang on to or look forward to as we try to get through what's happening in the world and tough times. Do you feel like you're seeing, you know, based on all the work you did with Sirtuins and resveratrol and NADs, are you seeing any of that translate over to COVID-19 and treatments for COVID-19 or staying healthy along the way? Oh, for sure. Uh, and that's why in my book I wrote about the coming pandemic. Um, right. At least when I, when I wrote it last year, it was coming. Now, of course, it's here. But but what's been on my mind is two things. One is that there's no point making major gains in health and longevity if a pandemic is going to greatly reduce that. That was the main reason I wrote it. But I also wrote it with the knowledge that these longevity pathways, as they come to be known, are actually literally health-promoting survival pathways that are in all life forms. They're not in viruses, thank goodness, but they are in plants and animals and, and us, of course. And we, we can activate those to not just live longer, healthy lives in the future, but, but right now to increase our immunity and our ability to survive if we do catch this virus. So how did you see this pandemic happening? Yeah, yeah unfortunately... You know, I'm not. I'm no genius. Uh, I'm. I'm actually just one of many scientists who knew this was coming. You know, nobody knows when it's going to happen because it's a random event. But going back even to the early '90s, there were whole reports written about this happening, and it was only a question of of when, not not if. And then it was actually brought home to me in 2010. I was at a conference, and one of the speakers on stage came up gave the most impactful speech that I saw that day. It was a medical conference. He came up and he showed a picture of a bat and he said, we've just discovered multiple coronaviruses in this animal. It's highly likely that we're going to have a pandemic coming from this animal. Uh, and then he showed a map of the world and he said, these are the hotspots where these viruses are going to come from for the next pandemic. And the biggest hotspot was right dead center uh, over Wuhan and Hubei province. So we knew this was coming. It's just unfortunate. It it's not an exciting story until it happens, right? So most media uh, didn't, didn't follow the story. And people still can't grasp the magnitude and reality of what's happening. I think it's incredible that you were able to predict that. And that was just from seeing the bat with the virus and saying, okay, this could happen, and this is when. 
Well, we were seeing the emergence of coronaviruses more and more, right? We had SARS and MERS, and fortunately they were so lethal and rapid that they didn't spread far enough. But really it was only just a question of time that this would happen. Um, and what's interesting is that we didn't have lethal coronaviruses uh, until the 21st century. And so probably what's happened is a couple of things. One is that the, the bat coronaviruses have mutated to be more like uh, a human-compatible virus. But also what, what happens is that you have stressed environments where the bats uh, and other animals are coming much more in, in contact with humans. And normally they'd be very hard to get to up in caves and mountains and that kind of thing. So that that's the double problem. And one of the solutions to prevent this happening again is to track viruses in the animal world and to track people's viruses. So if, if we had a system, which my company is developing... I was um, just going to ask, like, why don't we have that? Yeah. Yeah, well, it, it came just a couple of years before we were ready. But we did, ha we've developed a database of all known pathogens, including viruses and bacteria and fungi. And we've got, we're building machines that actually will rapidly test for, for all of these. Right now, the test takes about a day. Eventually, what you would love to have is anyone that you want, you just take a, a fingerprint or a swab of their mouth, probably a swab more than a fingerprint, and you'll be able to tell what viruses they've been exposed to and what viruses they're carrying. And that way, something like this won't happen again. Because what we saw in China, that for a month, people were pretending this was nothing, calling it a strange pneumonia that they finally after a month, reported it to World Health Organization, but even then didn't really allow people to talk about it. And that poor doctor who was uh, quieted down, so to speak, who's now passed away, we, we won't have that happen again. You know, China has, in, in February, banned all of the animal meat trade, uh, including, that would include snakes, pangolins, uh, a possible carrier, and of course bats. But it, it's, it's, of course, too late for that. But that should help in the future. China finally listened and took advice. Now we are looking to them for what's next on what will happen to us. Well, they actually started listening to scientists, epidemiologists in late December and started acting accordingly. And fortunately, their population was able to act the right way. Now, the government was very strict, draconian even, right? Putting up military borders and no one's allowed out of their house. You know, we can't do that easily here, although I'm noticing now that Virginia just said that uh, you, I think it was a $2,500 fine if you're caught outdoors now until June 10th. Um, so we're getting that way here, but still, Americans will be the rebels that they are or we are. Same with Italians, that's probably their problem as well. But Chinese did do, did do a good job. You could see that in a massive population of over a billion people, they were able to bring this under control. And we just kept going up and up, and we, of course, now have more cases than China does. Right, and New York is the epicenter of the virus. Well, what is it? I mean, there's crowding, of course, in New York, but do you think New Yorkers are also rebel rebellious and saying, don't tell me to stay in my apartment? I think New Yorkers will listen to the governor. I think that it's finally sinking in, but I do think that New Yorkers are strong and they believe they are abominable <laughs> in that I mean that's just like the general that is a New Yorker is somebody who you know they're tough they're tough people but I think 
there's also a, a need for respect in this case, in this scenario. I think people are starting to listen. The landscape over here is like, it's getting better, I think. I'm feeling safer. You know, even I'm trying to think about ways to kind of stay healthy right now. And back to what we're saying about New York, going out for a walk or going out for a run, there's not a lot of space. So you really have to be mindful of your surroundings. And it's not easy. There's this social physical distancing that is six feet in each direction. So is the virus lingering in the air for a said amount of time? Like if somebody's running in front of me, and I run behind them, but not, you know, if I'm staying in the six feet distance, is there a probability that their germs are still in the air? Uh, well, it probably depends on the, the wind, actually. Yes. It is true that this virus is so small that it can exist not just in droplets, but in vapor. Okay. Um, and so, you know, if you've ever gone out on a cold morning and your, your breath comes out, you can see it. That's that, that's the scale of the of this breath uh, that carries the virus. And it can linger, right? If you go in an elevator right. and you smell that someone's had garlic for lunch or something, that probably means that those particles of water, those tiny, tiny droplets of vapor, can make it into your nose as well. So it, it is pretty scary. It can, it's estimated the very small water droplets that have the virus in it can linger in the air for 30 minutes before reaching the ground from a height of six feet. But I think out in the, in the outdoors, you're much, this is my guess, I, no, I don't think anyone knows, but right. in the outdoors, it would blow away and disperse far better than, say, in an elevator or somewhere where there's still air. Do you think the rain washes it out of the air outside? Uh, a little bit, not a lot, but, but it's good that it rains. The main reason, maybe not what people think, but I used to, here's why I think other people might be confused too. I used to think that winter was bad for catching viruses because it was wet uh, and the wetness let the virus survive on surfaces. But it turns out humidity is, is helpful. The reason it is is that it keeps our lungs and our nose in a healthy state and so the virus can't get into the cells as easily. And we have nice thick uh, mucus, uh, what my kids call snot. Mm -hmm. But in the middle of winter especially outdoors, but even indoors, where the average humidity is in 20, 20% rather than what it should be at 45%, uh, then we become more susceptible. So when it rains, open a window, let some fresh air in, and that should help. And that's for any virus, right? Because viruses thrive in yeah. dry environments. Correct, yeah. So what else can people do to stay healthy right now? In your book, you talk about NADs and resveratrol, are there supplements now that you're thinking would be good and nutrients now that you would recommend people sort of stocking up on and, and using? I know you're not a nutritionist. No, I, I'm not. No, in full disclosure, let's go through what I'm capable and, and yes. qualified to speak about. I'm not a, a nutritionist, but I have been studying molecules in food for over 20 years at Harvard Medical School. My training is in genetics, biochemistry, in microbiology, right. uh, and I, I'm an entrepreneur in, with a viral startup. So that's about the extent of my qualifications. I'm not an MD, so I don't give medical advice. But as you talk about what I do for health, and you know, that seems to be perfectly uh, acceptable to everybody. Um, and I was saying that, that people who I won't mention by name, they've been calling me asking me what they do. So you know, I'll tell 
everybody the same thing I tell them. So I, I think one of the main things, I'll get to supplements in a second. Okay. If you indulge me, I'll just go down a yeah. list that I have in front of me. Sure. To keep our lungs healthy, which is what the virus attacks, of course, we want to maintain cardio fitness. So that means you want to keep the blood flowing and increase the number of capillaries in your body. We have some supplements I'll get to that, that at least in mice can boost those. But the easiest thing to do, or maybe not the easiest, but the most proven way to do that uh, is to, to do some, some cardiovascular work. So what, what that means is if you don't have a chance to run outdoors in a crowded city, then you should be doing, what are they called, star jumps in America? Yeah, jumping jacks or jump rope or things like that. Yeah, yeah, that kind of stuff. Just And if you don't want to do that, move. Get a bystanding desk. Or, or just try to walk around a bit, get your heart moving, um, and get your red blood cells high. Don't have an iron deficiency. If you normally have an iron deficiency, make sure you're taking those supplements because we want to have our red blood cells optimal if we catch the virus. I'm still eating less less often than most people. I try to skip breakfast and I have a late lunch. I've always, well, not always, but I've recently been doing that. More intermittent fasting. These, all of these, yeah, intermittent fasting, of course. Yeah. Um, we talked about that last time we, we got yes. together, uh, and I won't belabor the point. You can, people can go listen to the previous episode. But that has been shown to boost the immune system in clinical trials, so that that's not speculation. Um, and I should mention, that all of what I'm saying, or most of what I'm saying, is designed to increase the body's defenses that we've been studying for the last 25 years uh, in my career. Uh, avoid super intense exercise. Sometimes I'm talking to athletes, professional athletes, and I tell them, don't, don't overdo it right now because that can actually depress your immune system. So uh, avoid uh, you know, going on quarter marathon runs, not that you would have a chance to, but that's the kind of thing I would avoid. And don't, don't go on really long fasts. I think the, the week-long fast, I, I wouldn't do it myself. I think that that's overdoing yeah. it. At, the, at this current time. One thing that doctors have said is, is a great thing, taking vitamin D3. Vitamin D3, uh, If you're not yeah. taking vitamin D3, please do that. Minimum of 2,000 units. You can go as high as 5,000 units per day, and that seems to be quite safe. And your immune system needs vitamin D. Vitamin D is certainly an essential nutrient. You're right, and then it's good for your, your bone health as well. Keep that going. People ask me what I, what I eat. So I'm still, with my family, trying to focus on mostly plants. Uh, we're not totally vegetarian. But if we have meat, we try to have a fish that's on the low end of the food chain to avoid metal accumulation. We always do that. And if we're eating plants, then we have a, it could be frozen vegetables or it could be fresh vegetables if, if they're lucky. My wife started a, a garden here in our house, actually. Try to eat uh, plants that have color in them. Eat a dark green, orange deep red, purple, these are all good because they have not just antioxidants, but molecules that activate the body's defenses, right. which we, again, the same enzymes I've been studying my whole career. Uh, I call these molecules. Uh, some of them have color, and some of them just are made by colored plants. Oranges, kale. Uh, but yeah, orange is a good one. Yeah, spinach, kale, all of those. You know, the, the, the opposite of the kind of lettuce you get at the supermarket that's almost white because yeah. it's been grown under perfect conditions, never been stressed out. So one of the theories that we have is that when you stress plants by even either growing them outdoors or, in, or under organic or non-optimal conditions, 
no pesticides, then, and if they get eaten by a bug, that's even better because that, the plants mount a survival response and make molecules that we have shown can activate our body's natural defenses when you eat them, right. like resveratrol. I still, still take a, a, a gram of resveratrol every morning with my two spoons of homemade yogurt, and I also take the NAD boosting molecule, NMN. Now, I'm doing that because I'm not coming in contact with anyone who's infectious, but we're really strict here. Now, if I caught the disease, I'm not sure I would continue taking those molecules. And I'll, I'll tell you why. Even though there's a lot of evidence that the defensive genes that I work on, these sirtuins, are antiviral, and a lot of other labs have shown that for HIV, for even MERS and SARS, the original SARS, there's also some evidence that these molecules could make matters worse. And it's all out of mouse research, and we're humans, and we're not mice. So I think in an abundance of caution, when it's a life-death situation, let the doctors give you the medicine and don't try to do this at home kind of, kind of thing. Right. But what, in a normal situation, when your life's not in, under any threat, these molecules are so safe that, that there's, there's actually no downside to taking them that we know of. This is something you would do just in general if you're trying to reverse the aging process. Do you take resveratrol as a pill or you take it as a powder? Uh, you can do both, but I like to use a powder for one reason that I have a bucket in my basement but right. left over from clinical trials but but it's better taking it as a powder I think because you can mix it right in a smoothie or something yeah something that has a little bit of not a little bit a lot of fat or protein okay so for instance olive oil it'll dissolve nicely in an olive oil right actually it has some a molecule called oleic acid that's just like resveratrol in its activity. So that's a good idea. Yogurt, I find, it dissolves really nicely into whether it's Greek yogurt or homemade yogurt. It's all it's all good. Or some butter, you know. Butter, if you, I mean, if you want to have anything on your toast or whatever people are eating, that'll do it. But it won't dissolve in easily in water or something that's similar. So I try to do that. Some people open their capsule into like you say, a smoothie or something and get it to mix around and that that's just as good. Yeah. We're talking about combating aging, but then also boosting your immune system because of COVID-19. I think in general, we should be boosting our immune system. Or maybe there's something you could recommend for people for stress, anxiety, and depression. Well, so what we do is we turn off the TV. Yeah. We have not watched CNN in two weeks. Sorry to call out CNN, but, you know, I use CNN as a, you know, as an example of all of the, the news that's just showing those tickers of numbers of deaths, that's very unhealthy. You should turn that off. Have time where you're not thinking about stressful things. So go for a walk, you know, hang out with family or, or, or video or Skype colleagues and friends. All of that's very healthy. The people that seem to be at most risk of depression are the elderly, our parents, our grandparents who... You know, on a good day, are lonely, but under these conditions where they can't even go outside their home, and if they're single, then it's, it's a real tragedy. So what we're doing with my father is we bought one of those picture frames that acts as a video screen, which uh-huh. makes it much easier than pulling out a laptop, and it's in the kitchen. So every day, or sometimes just every other day, we just push a button or say, call dad, and he pops up, and he's in Australia, right. um, and it's just like him being in the kitchen with us. So we're cooking, and... The kids That's will nice. buy, hey, 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 Grandpa. So that's the kind of thing you can do for other people's health as well. Yeah. And I think if you take care of other people, it's always good for your own mental health too. Yeah. 
I, I do think that we, we need to take a deep breath and realize people have gone through worse times than this in history. We're not going to war. You know, we're not, we're not, our buildings, our homes aren't being destroyed or put on, caught on fire. It is stressful, but uh, as my military friend uh, put out on social media, uh, in previous wars, people were asked to go give their lives, uh, and here we're being asked to, to stay at home, stop complaining. Yeah. Back to what we were talking about before, what are some supplements that you are taking that you would recommend? Oh, so I mentioned the resveratrol and the enamine, which I take in the morning, and vitamin mm-hmm. D. Those are my staples. I'm taking a tiny little pill of zinc because that's generally good for slowing uh, viral spread, A, then reducing the number of days that a cold will last. I don't, I don't think anyone knows about COVID-19 yet, but zinc is not going to do any harm. So I do that. I'm still doing all of the things that are listed in my book. Right. And so there's, there's a laundry list of things that I'd like to do. But the one thing I want to mention is my diet's been steadily changing over the years as I learn more uh, in my lab and around the world. And I've included a, a lot more nuts, avocado, and olive oil in my diet. Now, I, I know nutritionists have said that, but it, but it never made sense to me. Why? But what's it's been discovered is oleic acid, which is a major component of those three foods, is actually activating one of these uh, enzymes that keeps us healthy. The CERT-1, it's called. Just the same way resveratrol sticks to it and makes it active. And the NAD acts as the fuel for that enzyme. So here's what I think is going on in my body. It's what I'm trying to do. Now that we understand what makes our body fight against disease and aging, uh, we know how to activate it. So I work out three times a week, which activates it. I go hungry for half the day. That act, we know that activates it. I'm eating foods that have either resveratrol or quercetin or quercetin is another one that activates this enzyme from found in uh, pills and onions and uh, apples. And of course, these nuts, avocados and olive oils, they have oleic acid, which also was recently, just a few months ago, shown to activate this enzyme. And together, I think I've got uh, a very active defense system going on in my body. And my father, who's 80, uh, pretty much does the same exact diet. Uh, and, you know, even though it's an anecdote, it's, it's you know, if nothing, a heartwarming story or a beacon of hope for all of us in late life at 80 years old. Yeah. He's stronger and fitter than I am. Looking forward to the future. He started a new career a few years ago. Unpaid nonprofit work, but still productive he travels the world, at least he used to until recently uh, after the shutdown. And he's just bought a new car. He bought a Tesla 3, which was his dream car. So that's all of what we're doing, I think, is bodes well for a long life, but also in the short term, uh, a resilient body uh, if we come under attack. Yeah, he sounds, he sounds amazing, by the way. I know we talked about him in the last podcast, and I know you talk about him in your book, but I think that you know, he's got the right outlook and the right attitude towards life. So that's great. And he's got you to help him. (laughs) Back to COVID-19 and the trajectory of symptoms. You know, can you talk about maybe some of the typical symptoms and how they kind of evolve? The virus is, think of it like a a tiny little balloon that's pretty fragile. It's got a membrane. It's like a bubble that's got protein sticking out of the surface, like a spiky ball. You've probably seen the images all over the internet. Um, 
it's it's less like a cannonball and more like a balloon that you can destroy with with enzymes that are on our skin, in our mucus, uh, or just soap. It's pretty weak. It's wimpy, but it has to get inside our cells. The way it does that is it'll float into the back of our throats or up our nose and stick to the the lining of, of those places. On the skin, it can't get through because the cells are dead there. Now, when it does that, it'll bind to it and it'll knock on the door of the cell and basically the cell unwittingly, like a Trojan horse, pulls it inside. Now, when that happens, it'll start replicating and spread to nearby cells. At that point, what you'll experience is a tickle in your throat. You'll have a, what's called a dry cough. If, if you have a phlegmy throat and your nose is running, that's not COVID-19. That's just a regular, probably a rhinovirus or another type of coronavirus. These give rise to the common cold. But that, it's that dry throat. And then what you may notice over the next couple of days is you get a fever and you start to get issues with breathing as the virus works its way down into your lungs. If you're lucky and you're young and immune, or, you know, relatively immune, you won't develop any lung issues. That seems to be the case for, well, at least half of the people. But uh, for people who are slightly older, myself at 50 probably, I'm going to, if I catch it, develop some breathing issues. And one test for that that doctors recommend is to hold your breath for 12 seconds. And if you have trouble doing that and you normally don't, then you've probably got disease, you probably should start to call the doctor about that. Um, what will happen then is you can write it out at home. It would be like the worst flu you've ever had. Right. Your body will ache and you'll have fever and you'll shiver and it'll feel horrible. You won't want to get out of bed. And If I remember having a flu a decade ago, it'll, it feels like you just want to die. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, after a few days, the viral numbers will come down. Your body will mount the immune response attack that surface protein that sticks out of the, the virus and bring those numbers down. But for 10% of people, I think, over age 80, it goes horribly wrong. And what happens is they don't bring the virus levels down. Uh, they cannot mount a strong immune response for reasons for which we don't fully understand, but it may involve uh, that older people have fewer types of immune cells Mm -hmm. um, and they're also um, heading towards senescence and that they cannot multiply rapidly. Um, there are all sorts of reasons that I won't go into, but we know that for a fact that older people are more susceptible. They can't clear the virus, and that's a bad prognosis. If you cannot clear the virus after about a week, then you've got some issues. Um, and that, what happens then is that's when you really have trouble breathing, um, You'll go to hospital, you'll be put in ICU, you'll have oxygen. And if it gets really bad uh, and you cannot breathe on your own, then they'll help you breathe, put you put you to sleep and put a tube down your throat and mechanically ventilate you uh, if there's enough ventilators. Right. Uh, and then, you know, about about a week later, uh, you actually, if, if you make it, you'll be recovering at that point. Um, so that's where it is. There's still, I didn't mention that, once you get the virus in your throat, it can take between 4 and 14 days to develop symptoms. And that's the problem. That's why it's different than all these other coronaviruses that uh, came before, the two others that came before. So you could be walking around with it. And that's what most it. people don't understand. Yeah. Exactly. Right. And, uh, you know, people are catching it and they think, how's it possible? I've been in my house for a week. Right. Well, it probably you caught it a week ago. 
right? Yeah, we have a, a calendar of like where we've been and what we've been doing. But do people have immunity from the virus after they get it? I mean, people are saying that once they have it, like they want to get it and get it over with. But like, is that a reality or is that just sort of like, you know, fake news? <laughs> uh, well, I think there are people out there I've seen on social media, people posting that they're trying to catch you or they don't care. Uh, I mean, there, there are the obvious reasons why you shouldn't do that. Right. Um, and it's, it's a selfish act. It's easy to give it to people. Um, and how would you feel if, if you killed your parents or your grandparents? That's not a good thing. Second of all, and this is probably going to appeal to, to people uh, even more, is that you can do permanent damage to your body even if uh, you recover. What happens when the, the virus attacks your lung cells and, and if it gets into your heart and kidney is it deposits uh, what are called uh, fibrotic uh, or fibrosis. Mm-hmm. It's actually collagen mats that, that are laid down in the tissue in the body's panic attack to try to uh, rebuild that tissue. And they, they try to rebuild it too quickly. It's like if, if your house is falling down and mm-hmm. you try to put you know crappy materials to build it back up, it might work, but then you're left with a house that's built of crappy materials. And collagen uh, is a great material, but it, in fibrosis, it's, it's not as flexible. And you, your heart and your lungs won't be as flexible. And Patients who have a lot of fibrosis uh, suffer from diseases like COPD, which used to be called emphysema, mm-hmm. and uh, some cr- chronic um, cardiac diseases also. They, the patients have fibrosis in their, in their hearts. So you do not want to take the risk, even if you survive, that you'll have permanent damage. And it could be, first of all, that when you get to middle age, you'll have hearts and lungs that are older than they should be. And, you know, heaven forbid we have another pandemic, you'll be much, you could be more susceptible. So it's the opposite. So you don't have an immunity once you get it. No, you'll have an immunity. But if your lungs are, have been wrecked by the first virus, right? by this one, then you'll be less able to fight it off another time because your lungs just won't work as well. Right. full of this fibrosis. Fibrotic lesions are hard to remove. The damage that is done to your lungs and your body once you do make it through and survive through COVID-19, there are serious repercussions. How can you rebuild? Well, there, there could be. If you have a mild case, you'd have a little cough. That's not going to happen. But if it gets into your lungs, that's what concerns me. Uh, yeah. And patients who, who've had an autopsy after they've died from COVID-19 are full with these fibrotic lesions uh, in their lungs. So if you have a bad case of it, I'm just saying it's potentially dangerous uh, in the long run and you cannot get rid of it once uh, this fibrosis builds up in your lungs. Let's just say you have a mild case. I mean, what are some things you can yep. do to keep your lungs strong? You said exercise, but are there like... For sure. Yeah, I mean, exercise, obviously, but are there any like supplements or foods that you take or eat that you think can help rebuild? My go-to molecule, so NMN, the NAD-boosting molecule, we published a couple of years ago, uh, almost to the day now, was it boosts circulation in muscle. Uh, and then later we, we co-published that it helps the brain have blood circulation as well. And those mice, those old mice that were able to run like they were young again with 50% more endurance. Now, we don't know yet because we haven't finished the trial 
uh, we haven't finished the trial to show that this works in people, but from all I know about my biology, human biology, and from some clinical trials that we've started, it may be beneficial for that. Um, but I also know NMN is a naturally occurring molecule that um, in, I can tell you, even though it's not published, um, is very safe in human studies so far that I've done mm-hmm. or helped uh, do. And so, yeah, that's that's my main thing for boosting my endurance. I, I do exercise. I do a fair amount of weightlifting, even mm-hmm. though if you looked at me, you, you wouldn't know it because the rest of the time I'm just typing. But I think doing a lot of hip hinge exercises, deadlifts, uh, and of course upper body, uh, but particularly your hips as you get older and good. For the virus, though, yes. I think it, it's always important to have every aspect of your system functioning optimally. And that includes not just aerobic exercise, but, but weightlifting too. Yeah, you mentioned earlier, like, it's not a time to go out and do a marathon if that's not your normal. Overtraining is not the idea or doing anything too much, right? It's all about balance and just having a foundation and regrouping. And I, I feel like that's what the virus is causing everyone to do in a good way and a bad way. It is. So we, what we've got is a unique opportunity with time on, on most of our hands. Most of us are not doc- doctors or essential workers, uh, to, to really get the, the fitness that we never had, or some of us never had time to do. I used to work out one day a week. Now I've upped that to three or four. Um, so that's, that's the important thing. The other thing that's important to know is probably about half of us are going to catch this. And it's not going to be next week. It's probably not going to be in the next two months while we're still under lockdown. But we will have to go back to work. The economy will demand it. And that's when you want to be fit. So you have about two months to get as fit as you can possibly get. Right now. Right now. Yeah, you said like it's going to go away in June and then it's probably going to come back in October and it's just going to be like a regular virus in our world of viruses moving forward. Yeah. That's a reality. Yes. I mean, it affects everyone, healthy or not healthy. It does, for sure. It's an insidious organism that is super evolved to attack us. It's actually, I was looking at the history of this virus. It goes back more than 400 million years. And it's got uh, 14 genes that work together to basically multiply itself at the expense of our body. It's it's miraculous that we survive this at all. That's how vicious uh, this thing is. I can't call it this life form because it's not even living, but it I mean, make no mistake, this isn't a, uh, a kind of weak thing that, that uh, you know, maybe has a, a gene or two that we can get rid of. This is like a machine. And once it gets in one of our cells, it's a huge battle. You just have to hunker down, eat healthy, exercise, and pray. Stay optimistic yeah, and avoid the TV. I actually unfollowed many people on Instagram and I've stopped watching the news because I want to hear positive stories. I know the reality is grim and it's like doom and gloom, but I don't need to be reminded every day at four o'clock that I'm going to die or someone I know is going to die or maybe I'm not going to die. But, you know, I've got to focus on like moving forward and staying positive. And so... I had to unfollow people on social media, but then I followed, you know, someone who had COVID-19 and she was sharing her story. She's a very famous actor. Her name is Debbie Mazur. 
And I found her sharing her story so helpful in easing my anxiety about the disease. I mean, she was just sharing her story and, you know, knock on wood, she's okay now. But she was in the woods for like 10 to 12 days. So I would love to hear more positive stories in the media. I definitely look for the positive stories. Uh, and that's why when I send out stories about that'll, that'll warm people's hearts, because if it's all just doom and gloom, you know, we'll all go crazy. How important is sleep? Just as important as exercise and a healthy diet. I've become an expert in this through self-experimentation as well. I was the kind of person that didn't sleep. I would probably be up most nights till 2 or 3 a.m. Couldn't get it down, but I've learned ways of dealing with that. Some of them are taking supplement or two before going to bed that helps but also learning to relax before I go to sleep don't be looking at the screen and if you do have to put on those blue light blocking glasses they are very helpful for most people but you know you want to keep your sleep levels I mean everyone's different but I find I need about seven hours sleep why is sleep so important well it turns out that the circadian rhythms which are the the biological word for uh, the sleep-wake cycle but make sure all your organs work at the same time in the right way. And it's the same thing that gets messed up when you're a shift worker or you have jet lag. Those cycle, the circadian rhythms, as they call the circadian cycles, are governed by the same gene that I've been talking about, a certain one gene. And I know it sounds like if you have a hammer, everything looks like a nail, but in top journals, other scientists have shown this certain one gene is the key regulator um, by being controlled by this NAD molecule that, that we like to boost with uh, this molecule NMN that I take in the morning. That is all part of the sleep-wake cycle. And if you get that out of whack, first of all, you'll feel terrible. But more importantly, it can accelerate the aging process. And the way I think that, that, that the evidence points to that is that if you have a, an animal, let's say a mouse in the lab, and you disturb its sleep-wake cycles. Let's say you, you take a rat and you don't let it sleep for a week. If, if you want to be cruel to a rat, we don't do that, but it's been done. Those those rats develop type 2 diabetes rapidly. Right. Uh, and the second thing is if you mutate a gene that controls the clock so that the mice don't know what time of day it is, uh, then they have symptoms of premature aging. So you've got to keep your sleep regular yeah. and, uh, and efficient. Um, and, but I also find that by taking NMN, and this is anecdotal, but you know, it's always fun to talk about, and other people have noticed this too, that my friends and I have, have noticed by tracking our sleep that we have deeper sleep if we take NMN. That's great insight on NMN and sleep. What are your thoughts on the drugs being used to treat COVID-19 at the moment, the timeline for a vaccine, and blood plasma antibodies as a solution. Yeah, that sh that's it works. The, the problem with using other people's plasma is that it's a hard resource to scale. And if you want to treat somebody who has the disease, you need basically a one-to-one -one ratio of one donor to one recipient. It does get a little better when you use it to protect people on the front line, and you can unmute it not diluted, but split it up into about 50 different doses. But that's still hard to be able to uh, do that for the entire population. Um, I think what's more likely is that we're going to have some drugs 
that are proven to reduce the severity of the disease and the lethality, and that we'll be using those for the next 18 months until the vaccine arrives. And one of those drugs is the malaria drug? Or chloroquine, yes, or hydroxychloroquine, you know. Yes, so that, that one looks really promising. You know, if you ask any scientist, they'll say, well, it's probably 80% chance it works. And the government is always nervous to say 80% is good enough. They like 99.9% or 100 But, you know, since the Chinese put out a couple of papers in February, I've been pretty positive about chloroquine. It, it doesn't seem to have a lot of uh, negatives unless you're very unlucky and have a reaction to it. So it seems to be good. I even uh, posed a question uh, on Twitter, should we be giving doctors and nurses and hospital staff a bit of chloroquine just to, to stave off this disease if it would work? And nobody's gone to that extreme yet, but I did hear an expert on viral infections, a doctor, say that that was a good idea, so that uh, it wasn't so crazy. Like to get the ahead of it, yeah. Exactly, right, because if they get sick, we're all in trouble. Right, which is happening in New York. Uh, it is, it is, it's what our worst predictions are, are coming through here. So the good news is that there are 37 vaccines in development across the world and 50-something drug tests. Something's going to work. There's one of those vaccines that will be proven to be safe. Some of them may not be safe. It's actually possible that the vaccine could make things worse. Yeah, we have to be careful. Uh, but something's going to come along also from a drug whether it's chloroquine will be proven to work or remdesivir, which is the antiviral that Gilead is testing. They're now one month into their clinical trial. We'll get through this. So the, the trick is going to be for, first of all, as, go, as a government, uh, we want to be able to stop the, the big wave, which is happening now, or at least bring it under control, and then slowly go back to work. At least for the next 18 months, probably for two years, life is going to be very different. We won't be able to socialize like we used to, and we'll still be keeping our distances. Then the government... Uh, are you going to stay on the Cape, or are you going to go back to Boston? Well, we'll do what China's doing. They're a couple of months ahead of us, so you've got to watch what they're up to. They banned immigration, they and tourists. They are about to go back to work in Wuhan. Most of the rest of the China has gone back to work, but life's very different. You, you cannot congregate, you can't sit close to people in restaurants. And it'll be like that. that. We're not going back to normal life anytime soon, not till probably mid-2021, uh, at least, maybe even to 2022. Uh, but the, the goal of the government will be to allow us to still be productive. Because if we go beyond 50 days, more than this, the global economy is, is not going to recover quickly, according to the experts I've talked to. Yeah. Now, as individuals, what we want to do is to not catch the disease until there are treatments or uh, hopefully a vaccine available. That's going to be difficult. Uh, we've already talked about how infectious this thing is. Right. So that's why we need to have up the best health we can possibly have for when we have to go back to work. Yeah. I mean, I think our whole way of doing business is going to change. I mean, nobody's going to shake hands. Nobody's going to give each other hugs if you don't know them. I And I am actually would be very excited about that, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I'm a little bit of a germaphobe and typically err on the side of caution. Prior to COVID-19, I had implemented a new tactic around my races and training and not being in contact with anyone 
that I knew was sick or didn't know in general within about six weeks to eight weeks of my race because during the New York City Marathon back in November, I got really sick at mile 13. And that was because for the entire four weeks before the race, I had been exposed to people who had the flu or had bronchitis or something. And I went against my gut and decided to not let my fear of germs limit me from normal behavior. And I got sick. So I'm kind of sticking to, to my gut about this moving forward. And now that there's COVID-19, it seems everybody else will be on board with this strategy in New York and in the world. I wonder if we'll go back to normal. I mean, I know you're saying we won't, but what will the new normal be? And like, how are we going to interact yeah. and work in offices? Yeah. We will go back. Yeah, we'll go back to normal. After 1918, people didn't stop shaking hands. We'll, we'll go back to normal. But we'll we'll need to know that there's no virus around because it, it can come back with a vengeance. Yes. Even if even if we bring it down to low levels this summer, it's gonna come back. The closer we go back to normal, the faster it's gonna come back and we may even have to have another shutdown of the country if it happens like that. Yeah, because we're I mean, like you said, China and Wuhan are going back to work, but we don't know what's gonna happen in three months over there. Exactly. We that's the most important thing on the globe right now. We need to watch what happens in China. If they can keep it under control while their economy is still you know, coming along, then we're all good. If yeah. they have another shutdown, first of all, can you imagine what's going to happen to the stock market if that happens? I mean, it's unbelievable. The, the world won't be the same in the sense that we'll have learned how to exist from our own homes and we were always expecting the future to be less sociable, and it's going to probably be be that way for a while. And you know, there are good there are good aspects. We can spend more time at home, and we don't all have to get in the same room to discuss something anymore. It will be it will be interesting for sure. Well, I just want listeners to know that the world is is coming together to fight this. We've never come together as as one species on the planet. It's unprecedented. There's unprecedented shocking news and unprecedented collaboration at the scientific level, companies, leaders, governments. So that is really heartwarming. And this will be behind us one day, uh, probably two years from now. You know, it'll be a, a memory. And we're going to make it through. It's not the end of the world, that's for sure. And the 21st century and the, the, the roaring 20s are ahead of us. Awesome. Thank you. Keep up all the amazing work you're doing. Well, keep up your work too. I follow you and I really enjoy uh, learning. Thanks, Marnie. Good to talk to you. Thanks again for tuning in to Marnie on the Move. If you like what you hear, leave us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts. Follow us on social at Marnie on the Move for Facebook and Instagram, and Marnie Salop on Twitter. Head over to our website, MarnieOnTheMove.com, for more info on this episode, links in the show notes, and of course, sign up for our quarterly newsletter, The Download, to get updates, deals, giveaways, and information on future events for 2019. I want to hear from you. Email me 
moneyonthemove1 at gmail.com. And let me know what you're enjoying, what you want to hear more of. If you have questions for our guests, just reach out. <laughs>